0: Hello and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm joined today by Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack uh networker most patient person in the world for reasons <laughs> that we won't we go into. talk about yes uh, but my beloved podcast co-host christine is out this week she's seeing ben folds uh but luckily we have plenty to talk about because brianna the gaming world has blessed us with one of the biggest news stories of the year we're going to be talking about the xbox leak that happened due to the ftc case
1: Yay! Somebody getting fired. Oh,
0: yeah. Somebody already <laughs> fired. So sorry. Not to sorry to that person. Uh, you did f up though. Um, and then we'll be touching on <laughs> reviews of the iPhone 15. For our final fun topic today, uh, Brianna's been renting a fun new camera. And we're going to talk about that camera. So it's
1: not just a camera, it is a whole lifestyle. So just <gasps> to tease this You've been out. you renting a, a lifestyle? Bit, I have. Um, So the most expensive, like, normie mainstream camera you can buy is Leica, right? Um, So the Leica Q3 just came out, which is one of the cheaper Leicas they make. That is uh, $6,500 and honestly, really $8,000 after you get done paying mm-hmm. for everything. And the Leica M11, which is their big boy model, is like $8,000 for the body and then three to $4,000 per lens. So I'm looking at this going, what the hell is worth that much money? What the hell is... And uh, I rented one to kind of find out what what makes a camera worth that much money. So that's what we're going to talk about.
0: I'm excited to hear about your new lifestyle. Uh, (laughs) And for Booster, our bonus segment for subscribers, you're going to be hearing about my new lifestyle. Which I guess is kind of our shared lifestyle because you are the OG car enthusiast on this show. Uh, listeners will know that last week I was out because I was in Washington and part of my trip to Washington was taking a performance driving class. Uh, we talked about that on Booster a couple weeks ago before I went. Brianna offered me some tips to prepare me. Were and they helpful? I, they were. Oh, I survived good. my class. I had a great time and I'm going to talk about... um the performance driving. Uh and it is gonna be uh it's gonna be great. I will tell you all about it on that bonus segment. You can learn about that by going to relay.fm slash membership, find out how you can sign up to get bonus segments and an ad-free show every week and support our show directly, which is really helpful on weeks when we don't have ads anyway, because we're in a recession. Oh, no. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. Uh, But thank you so much to our boosties. Hope you enjoy this uh, little life update from me.
1: You keep our show going. We love you, boosties. You truly do.
0: Let's get into this massive first topic. So it is unredacted document Christmas. All year this year, Christmas in July, Christmas in September, somebody accidentally uploaded a whole load of unredacted material uh, for the FTC versus Microsoft case, which is, of course, about Microsoft's Activ- Activision, Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard, and whether or not uh, this is a monopoly. Journalists have been having a ball dissecting this. There are so <laughs> many articles online. Um The documents cover uh, so many topics from plans for Xbox refreshes, plans for the next generation of Microsoft consoles, discussions about Game Pass release scheduling, a desire to purchase Nintendo, uh, and so... So much more. Uh, before we get into all that, Brianna, what was your reaction to
1: seeing these can, documents? Can I share a super quick story? So Please. I was, for reasons you know that we can't talk about, I have been in some close communication with some of our industry's uh, most uh, reputable journalists all week, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone I'm talking to is like, uh, yeah, I would love to talk now, but I got to go into a meeting with a lawyer about a big story that's coming out. Oh, I got... Uh, to go into a meeting with legal about big stories coming out and and everybody's giving me the same message. I'm like, well, something big. (laughs) Something's going on in the industry. I don't know what, but I can't wait. So I wake up really early the day, the story broke and I'm like refreshing and I was not disappointed at all. I was thrilled.
0: Is great. So there's so much to cover. I, what I would love to start with, I guess, is, some of this this discussion about new Xboxes does yes. that sound good to you yeah. all right so a lot of this information comes from a pitch document from May 2022 which is why i think It should be taken with just the biggest helping of salt imaginable because what this all sounded like to me was like a pitch document of like, here's what the next generation of Xbox could be. And it sounds like they threw everything at the wall. So what we're looking at here uh, for this theoretical next generation of consoles coming in 2028. So this presentation details Microsoft's so-called Gen 10 offerings. Um, which will theoretically include consoles, phones, web browsers, a handheld system, PCs, and a cloud console. They're talking about creating basically like a huge hybrid console um to play to play cloud games, um with an operating system that is uh, that just crossed all devices. So again, okay, that's big. Um Axios in their write up of this uh notes that Microsoft proposes supporting normal features like voice chat and achievements, uh, as well as moving into things like crypto wallets and, uh, quote unquote, AI and machine learning to attain super resolution game graphics, frame rate improvements, extra game testing, character dialogue generation and more. Um, So while there are some details from this that sound to me like, okay, this is something they're probably working on right now, like notably, uh, they have supposedly committed to using arm 64 architecture for the cpu i don't doubt that that is something that they're working on right now but a lot of these features to me brianna and i'd love to get your take on this sound like marketing like this marketing hype
1: yeah, that's that's exactly right, Simone. Um, and I really love the skepticism you brought at the beginning of the the show. I mean, uh, my my experience in the tech industry is it goes like this: the marketing people come in and they say, "What what kind of things do we want for the revision of this? What's important to us? What can we change?" Right? And uh, you look at some of the stuff here, like the crypto stuff or the mm-hmm. the cloud gaming stuff, and it, it really feels like just a, a Grab bag uh, of things for for uh, Microsoft. It, it doesn't seem particularly credible. Uh, so, um, you know, is it interesting? I, I guess I kind of felt like some of the. I mean, not not to dish your coverage, but mm-hmm. I just felt like some of the conversation around this was so breathless, and it, it's like. I don't know. It, it just seemed it, it seemed kind of uninteresting. Like, if you asked me to guess what this console was going to be next, this is pretty much exactly what it would be.
0: Yeah, especially at this point. Like, this is like six years away at this point. Yeah. Um, and it kind of reminds me, I, I feel like it mirrors what I think early game development is like as well in a a large company, of course, where it's like, yeah, let's throw everything at the wall. We can have all of these features. Like, let's imagine, oh, online connectivity, multiplayer, uh, incredible, procedurally generated dungeons. Like, let's do it all. And then as you continue to work on the project, the scope narrows because of time and necessity. And also it just becomes more focused and it becomes a real thing rather than like, let's imagine what could be. Um, And it feels to me like that's where this is. Although, like I said, I don't doubt that there is work being done on whatever Microsoft's next generation is.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly it, and I also think that you know when it comes down to there, there's the marketing hype before a console launches, and then there's the reality of what that console ends up being. Right. Mm-hmm. So for the the Microsoft uh, generation, what is the Series X? Right. Uh, currently, it is uh, much better graphics than the last generation and Game Pass. And nothing else that system does really matters. I mean, I Mm -hmm. guess console expansion to a certain extent. That's also true with the the PlayStation. You know, there was all this hype about adaptive triggers. And maybe, you know, one game in 10, if I'm sitting down really thinking about the L and R buttons, shoulder buttons, uh, and how it fires, you know, is it implemented in a way that's interesting to me? So, um, you know, I, I just... I'm not trying to be cynical about it. I just don't think there's that much there. What's a lot more interesting to me in the leaks is uh, them kind of revealing the numbers of what uh, uh, their Game Pass, uh, what they're paying for the Game Pass
0: stuff. So, yeah, you bring up Game Pass is perfect timing because briefly we'll just touch on, I think, one of the more solid things from this, which is theoretical Xbox refreshes that would be coming next year. Um, which would both be for the Series X and the Series S, theoretically digital only. Um, which would be different for the Series X, um, and two terabytes of storage and five hundred bucks uh, retailing. And so that would basically be a console that would double down on Game Pass. Uh, which is a lot of uh, a lot of information about Game Pass was revealed in these documents, uh, including discussions about. The release schedule, uh, a lot of stress about <laughs> filling holes in the release schedule, and like you said, amounts that are being uh, paid for games to be on Game Pass, uh, investments essentially that are being made, which was super interesting. I in there's a the email chain between Phil Spencer and uh, the other executives where he's talking about how like because of things being delayed. There are these holes in Game Pass. They're like, this is a massive failure of organization and planning on our part, which I I think is super interesting because we've uh, I mean, on this show, we've been super positive about Game Pass because it does feel like, oh, there are so many new things out for it. I think possibly because we're looking at it from this perspective of like, oh, there are a lot of like. I know we we don't o- only play, like, the big A games. We look at smaller games as well, and it's exciting. to. Be- and we also have a huge backlog. That's obviously not the perspective that the executives at Xbox are looking at it from. <laughs> yeah, they're looking at yeah. it as like, oh, we need to have that. F- we need to get that hit on there. And they're talking about, like, the delays in Starfield and the potential, uh, like, Backlash uh, if a uh, if a Lego game there there's a particular Lego game that was coming out that had to be delayed and they're like if they push this like for if if they if they push to finish this on time they could gain negative attention from this conversation about crunch culture that's happening, which I thought was super duper interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, can you expand on that? Cause I really agreed with that. Okay. So
0: this is from our polygon piece, uh, which is um, focused around like them calling Baldur's Gate a second run Stadia RPG back when it was genuinely going to be a second run. It was going to come out on Stadia first. So Lego star Wars um, expected partner. Ask 35 million, 40 hour, Uh, forty m long hours. I don't know what that means. Uh, wildcards. This is from the the leaked document. PC tech readiness timing is questionable. Negative crunch culture press will make them not want to push teams unreasonably. Um, so that was super interesting to me. Like as as a person who obviously works at a site that covers crunch culture a lot, it was interesting to get a little peek behind the curtain of like how executives at these companies or uh, how people at these companies are viewing that ongoing conversation about crunch culture in game development and like whether or not that's actually making a difference
1: i i thought it was really positive didn't you yeah i mean the fact that that factors into their decision for sure, making for sure. and they're hearing it i mean sometimes you know you uh, I don't know. There there are dark times that I wonder if what I'm doing makes a difference. And I, I have to imagine in your industry, Simone, sometimes y'all ask, like, you know, we're covering all this terrible stuff. Does it really add up to anything? That was my favorite part is seeing mm-hmm. this literally just uh, lead to their decisions that they're making. So the answer is yes.
0: Yeah, super, super cool. Uh, But you were interested in the amounts that...
1: um, Correct me if I'm wrong here, because I'm speaking from memory. So I have two that I can't believe. One was they were only offering $5 million to secure Baldur's Gate 3 for Game Pass, (laughs) which is crazy. Which is crazy. And then on the other side of that... Game Pass is offering $300 million for Jedi Survivor? Oh. How? How? How does that work with any model? What are the development costs for Jedi Survivor? It can't be... I mean, it's got to be, like, what, $400 million at the most? How? What is going on?
0: <laughs> and the, the notes read, Crown Jewel. Um... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, same with Mortal Kombat. Next, Crown Jewel. It's it's very, very interesting. And I, 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 I don't well, know. Like, uh, on, listen, I move off of this. Like, play Jedi it. I'm Survivor. Not of it. It's
1: not worth three hundred million dollars. Xbox, in my view. Am I crazy? <laughs> I know, I know. I, I honestly don't know what to say. Okay, so
0: okay, let's talk about Jedi Survivor. Obviously, the that those both of those Jedi um games were pretty well received yeah. in the in the area of like oh good game yeah. not like oh my god groundbreaking game they like they are really solid adventure games um and like soulsy combat games sort of um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah it it is but i i don't know i think that there is i i guess i would put this down to the like star wars connection Like huge brand plus a bias towards, I guess, this like very, it's like that photorealistic style of graphics. Like this is the game where you look at and you're like, oh my God, our hair technology has come so far. Look, oh, look at that beautiful lightsaber or something like Baldur's Gate is more on its surface like, oh, this is nerd stuff. Um, And like, to be fair, I think the devs of Larian Studios who made Baldur's Gate is on the record as saying like, oh, we thought like 100,000 people might play this at launch and there's like 500,000 people playing. What happened? (laughs) And again, as we discussed on the show a couple weeks ago, it's because people are horny because they haven't had a good Bioware game in a long time. And also like D&D has become so much more popular um, and I think the people who played Larian's last games, like Divinity Original Sin, like that wasn't a super mainstream game, but the people who like that kind of game know, okay, these people have a good track record. And then the rest of the people are just like, horny D&D, yeah. I'm in. So- <laughs> but apparently Microsoft didn't get that memo that to be fair, though, as as many of the people in the comments of our article pointed out, like it was supposed to release on Stadia. And when this memo is from stadia still existed okay, so they it would have been a second it would have been like second run on xbox
1: that's fair it just seems to me there's a lot of money like it seems to me the real money to be made here yeah. is if like uh they start going hey let's secure these rights to these smaller games <laughs> and yeah maybe they because i don't know about you but when i play on like, when I play on uh, Game Pass, just being completely straight with you, Samantha, the yeah. game I played by a wide margin more than anything else is the Golden GoldenEye remake, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a weird, esoteric game. The only people, you know, over 35 are going to give a crap about. So, um, you know, it, it just... I, I feel like they're betting on the wrong things, but the the economics is what I just can't believe. Like, you're going to pay for, like, more than half the development of Jedi survivor just mind-boggling yeah
0: yeah for something as like detailed as Baldur's Gate it's nuts uh, I want to briefly point to uh, Ubisoft's AC Rift uh, wild cards it's a 1.5 version of AC AC 15th anniversary year also dot 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 more Ubi <laughs> <laughs> it just it's, it's like a shrug in text form um okay yeah this is interesting it, it, it's it's all very interesting to see behind the curtain and like one of the it, it, it does make me like seeing all of the numbers written out and the like strategizing of it and the discussions of like oh we gotta fill this hole in the calendar we gotta have our big release like uh i i kind of found myself agreeing with a piece that uh nicole carpenter wrote for for polygon today this very day uh headline microsoft's major court leak pierces through the hype which is essentially about like how seeing like we all know microsoft is a big corporation it's got to make money it's making these strategic moves like it's purchasing activision for a reason of course they are like idly pondering like hey what if we got nintendo wouldn't that be great just because like we're a company we want to expand (laughs)
1: but seeing it all i know
0: we'll, we'll talk about that in a second but like seeing it all like written down in black and white does make me like i still think obviously big fan of game pass think it's a really good deal but it does kind of uh make it's more stark, like it's a it's a reminder, a stark reminder that ah oh, yeah, this is this is a business. Um, what and
1: I know, it's what? crazy. <laughs> They're out to make money, Are They're they capitalists.
0: Among- they might be capitalists. <laughs> <No. laughs> I don't know. Um, but but yeah, like see, and seeing all the 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 future plans and everything, it it makes it feel very un unfun. Um, while also being very fun because we're learning corporate secrets.
1: D- Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. It's, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, Can we talk about the Nintendo news a little Let's bit? Let's talk about the Nintendo thing. this is super thing. juicy. Oh, my right.
0: God. I will go into my, okay. So one of the many fascinating attention-grabbing revelations that came out of these leaks was the way that Phil Spencer talks about wanting to buy Nintendo. He just wants to buy Nintendo. Uh, he wrote basically like, oh, they would be the perfect partner for us. It would be amazing. It's a shame that what prevents it is that they have so much money. <laughs> They're sitting on so much cash. He basically says, uh, let's see, where is it? Um, I don't think a hostile action would be a good move. So we are playing the long game. (laughs) Um, Getting Nintendo would be a career moment, and I honestly believe a good move for both companies. Both companies—that's interesting. It's just taking a long time for Nintendo to see that their future exists off their own hardware. Um, Fascinating.
1: Okay, so I want to go through this one. Please do. I'm about to blow up. Okay. Uh, First of all, no offense to Christina's employer. I don't want Microsoft to own Nintendo at all, at all, at all. One of the smartest things Nintendo has done is playing it carefully is Mm -hmm. not trying to blow up super quickly, not going, how can we expand our brand? Like every single place it needs to go. Like they under, if you read console wars by someone who we've had on the show, uh, uh, Blake, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Blake Harris, Blake Harris. Uh, um, you can see how Nintendo made the choice At one point to very deliberately stay away from anything edgy and -hmm. to forever be a family company associated with childhood, which was absolutely the right call. And I think the worst thing that could happen is Microsoft getting in there and going, oh, I get a Q4 hit. Uh, Let's see, what are we going to do? How about sexy princess peach? You know, like, it's just, I just, I don't think that's the synergy you want. I think Nintendo is strongest by being this company that does their own weird bizarre things if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah i'm trying to pull up the i'm finding the article yes there we go yeah one of the things that really stood out to me from this uh was the mention that nintendo has not been growth focused until recent years um i'm trying to find the exact quote but basically they talked about how like in, until this, I think, most recent year when they've been focusing on, like, oh, they're making the movie, they're the Mario movie, they're expanding into theme parks, they haven't been focused on, like, huge stockholder growth. Um, and I, I thought that that was super interesting to me because one of the things that does depress me when we talk about apps and, uh, like, companies in this day and age is this need for things to be more than they are. Like, we talked about this with... Um, 8Tracks. Eight 8Tracks Eight was a, a great playlist uh, playlists, what website and app. You could make playlists. That's all you could do. And it died in favor of Spotify. And Spotify became not just a music listening app, but also a podcast app. They're expanding into audiobooks. They're looking at being TikTok in the future, like competing with TikTok because they have this this obligation to the shareholders to continue growing, not to simply be the best at what they are, but to always be bigger than they are. And that's something that we see Nintendo not really doing. They are continuing to make their little consoles and make their little games, which like are both good, but also, yes, rely on a lot of childhood nostalgia like people will continue to go back to their, those games even when they're adults because they're like oh yeah I remember this I am familiar with this I like this um but Nintendo I think does people does customers right by continuing to make good versions and good adaptations of their properties um so I think you're absolutely right that like I I would not would not care to see I I think they've been doing great Obviously, on their own, uh, as Phil Spencer admits by saying they're sitting on a big pile of cash. Um, oh, here we go. Here's the quote. They have a board of directors that until recently has not pushed for further increases in market growth or stock appreciation. Um, and as we saw with the the recent Zelda game, Tears of the Kingdom, they whatever the discussion that they had internally about it, they did end up delaying it a year to make it To make it more polished. That's right, and that paid off. Um, so big time. It's gonna be one of the
1: greatest games of all time.
0: Yeah, which doesn't mean that there weren't. There's an an email chain of Nintendo executives going. Well, shoot, we've got a big hole in our release calendar. Much like this email chain about the big hole in the in the game pass release calendar. However, the ultimate decision was like, yeah, okay, we're gonna delay it because we're gonna make it good, and we're fine. We have enough cash to make that fine. Um, and I, I don't know. It, it, it. I definitely feel like I would rather see them continue to be their own massive entity rather than being subsumed into this like gaming monolith that Xbox is creating.
1: I could not agree more. So, woo, crisis averted. Um, You (laughs) said something I want to come back to because I think you may have read a story that I missed. Um, So, did we find out how this got leaked and did someone get fired?
0: I oh, I do not know. Uh, okay. That is what I said earlier about someone probably already has been fired. Is merely conjecture. Okay,
1: probably, um, yeah.
0: Just because so, I, they probably know who uploaded the documents. I mean, Sorry do to you think it's a,
1: it's a paralegal? Like, because that was my first guess, and you know, like. I, I'm not look, it's obviously very sad to get fired, but the stakes are so high here. It's not just that you're gonna get fired, you're opening yourself up to a tremendous like civil lawsuit with a mistake this big. So I think clearly you've got to get fired. I mean, they're probably not gonna even work with that law firm again.
0: Yeah, so the FTC or the the court has said, yeah, the California court looked into this because Microsoft was like, ah, um, it's just one PDF that has a but all these unredacted documents in it. Somebody posted it to Resetera, Um, and the court has said, yeah, that's on you guys, Microsoft. Like you uploaded this document that is unredacted, um, and Microsoft has not responded for comment yet. Uh, the judge basically just said, like, it, I mean, they did it. <laughs> we gave them the link to upload the files and they uploaded the files. Uh, it is their fault. Um, so I, I am not sure. I will we'll probably never know who exactly is responsible. Um, but to your point, yeah, it probably is someone involved in the, in the law firm, I imagine. Um, sorry to that person. Big F up. Big F up.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to talk about iPhones? Let's do
1: it. Let's do it. Let's
0: freaking do it as I accidentally open a a mysterious tab on Firefox. Get out of here. Okay. Now, I'm actually curious. I'd love a uh, quick review of what y'all talked about last week in the the iPhone uh, reveal. But before that, I'll I'll just say, hey, the iPhone 15 and 15 plus reviews are out. Uh, They are largely along the lines of like, Yeah, that's an iPhone. (laughs) <laughs> we'll get into the the details of it in a minute, but what was what was y'all's just for my benefit? I guess initial reaction. Sorry to everyone who listened to last
1: week's no, show, no, but no, it's, uh, I want to you know. know our our take was um, you know it's it's an interesting year. Uh, the Ultra Two is one of Apple's most interesting products. Uh, not anything I can wear, certainly not anything Christina can wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, this looks like a really interesting year for the iPhone. Uh, I'm particularly interested in the uh, the the computational sensor for depth of field stuff um and uh it looks really interesting but not particularly groundbreaking mm-hmm.
0: yeah so this is where i am after uh as you probably know because we're all in a text thread together and what? i was frantically texting with christina yesterday trying to figure this out i am finally going to get a new phone good for you thank you um the iphone 15 as i uh indicated just a minute ago it is sounds just fine like nobody is particularly excited about it 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 it, it works well like an iphone it's got a, f- a m- sort of minuscule camera upgrade like an iphone it's got C charging which is new uh but th- got some downsides as well um and it's got colors I think we need, to, but but if we did apologize about the color accusations that we made, where a few weeks ago we said that Apple hates women because they weren't making <laughs> colorful phones, uh, I believe it's we, really
1: the biggest issue facing women in twenty twenty three. And I have yeah.
0: to say, I I got to see the iPhone fifteen today because it was in my office, and I I do think Apple hates women because they made all these beautiful. Colors, but they're so desaturated in person; they just look white. Apple, you gave me my yellow phone, and you take my yellow phone away again. Um. <laughs> so anyway, obviously that's not the biggest problem facing me. Um, it is uh, the biggest problem facing women more broadly. But <laughs> I am upgrading because I have the iPhone 11, and yeah, I think that this is time. the last possible year that I could get any reasonable amount of money as yeah. a trade-in for that device.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Is your phone still in good shape after four years? Uh,
0: it, it physically it is fine. Uh, in functionality, it is a bit slow. Right, she crawling, she sliding. Uh, She's sliding, she's struggling to hang in there, and her battery life sucks. Yeah, so it is. I'm sure I will feel like I've stepped into a whole new world. Um, and indeed, like, when I, I held up the, the iPhone 15 to my 11 to, like, compare the sizes, I'm super happy, actually, with how light it felt and the size of it. Because um, that was one of the uh, – <laughs> when, when I was traveling last week and I read about the sizes of the phone, I initially – I think I, I must have read the wrong thing or something or misunderstood, like, the screen size versus the actual phone size. And I walked into our WhatsApp being like, it's bigger I refuse it's bigger than the 14 it's not bigger than my 11 um <laughs> and it is it, it feels better and all I've wanted all this time is a phone that's a little bit smaller and might fit into some of my vintage purses so
1: it's time you have vintage purses
0: I just have a few little vintage purses for my oh you've got to show me
1: pictures sometime uh, I, I mean they're that. just
0: like crappy little things they're not like super duper fancy um, but some of them are just like barely too big or too small for my phone to fit into. It's like if I could just bend it a little, it would shut. Are we won't. talking
1: like fifties? Like like how how? Um, I think one of
0: them is like, I, I think they're they're sixties, fifties, sixties. I would say just like little beaded bags, um, nothing super exciting. Anyway, so that is kind of my uh, aesthetic and very, very shallow assessment of the iPhone 15, a phone that seems better, Um, but probably not something that, like, I don't imagine iPhone 14 users will be running to throw away their phones and get this. What do you think?
1: Well, okay, so the... um yeah, now that the reviews have come out, we, we know a lot more about this and how it feels. And I think it's really clear that Christina and I uh, under uh, counted one of the really biggest uh, upgrades this year, which is the titanium frame. Right. Because um, I think we were like looking at the weight of it and going like, this isn't that big a difference. Uh, a lot of the reviewers, particularly uh, John Gruber over at Daring Fireball talks about just how good it feels in your hand um, mm-hmm. and how it really does uh, add up to the, uh, to the, to the lightness of it. And, you know, one of the things, if you know it, uh, Apple's history of titanium uh, you know, you had the way 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 back in the day you had titanium MacBooks uh, with a lot of quality control issues as far as how that held up. And one of the things Apple tends to do is they will introduce a material um, in the Apple watch. Uh, to see if they can really work with it. yeah you know, they did this with the the very expensive ceramic watch and they've been doing this uh, with titanium uh, and they they finally brought it like out to uh, the entire iPhone line. Uh, so I think that's uh, really, really exciting to see how that goes. Um, For me, because I rock the Pro Max, um, I will take any uh, lightness that I can get. I have no doubt I'm going to develop like carpal tunnel in my pinky (laughs) finger that it rests on eventually. But that's just the price I have to pay to do my job. Um, So that's one thing that a lot of the reviewers have uh, noted. I am upgrading um, this year for the camera. Uh, in the last year, I've gotten a lot more into photography, and I think I um, really kind of uh, underestimated. Uh, like last week on the show, I was talking about how I was most interested in the um, the depth of field sensor to basically mm-hmm. fake uh, you know, levels of f stop uh, for for a bokeh blurred background effect. In this, uh, what a lot of the reviews are saying is it's the the way it samples. The, um, the image sensors made in a different way to sa- sample how uh, it interprets your images this time around. So last time around, it would essentially do pixel doubling with this, uh, what was it, 40 megapixel sensor. Mm-hmm. Um, it would get something that had a very, very rich color and worked very well in low light situations, but it was not great for... Um. Uh, uh. Really, really fine detail. Um. So uh, this time around, uh, basically the the image processing pipeline that it's using is very, very different. It's able to use more of that 48 megapixel sensor, and you're gonna get pictures with a lot, lot, lot more detail. So if you mix that with the five uh, x zoom lens that exists in the uh, iPhone uh, uh, 15 uh, Pro Max, which I'm getting, Yay. I'm really, really excited about that i think it's gonna have a lot of possibilities uh just one more thing because i know yeah. i've been talking for a while um the other thing usbc um you know everybody says uh like is universally enjoyed uh there's been a lot of discussion if it's actually uh to comply with that regulation maybe it's actually a bigger uh something apple was actually on board on doing and willing to do which i i kind of agree with right they've done this with the macbook and a ton of other lines um and just very final thing uh the action button uh universally liked um I don't like the the mute toggle at all. I've been on record saying I think they need to get rid of it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And now we have a button that you can use for many, many, many different things on your phone, including a mute uh, on and off feature. So I'm really <laughs> excited about all of it.
0: I have to say, uh, sort of related to the iPhone 15 discussion, um, in my angst about uh, whether to upgrade or not before I found out that the phone is actually smaller I was like I'll just buy an iPhone SE <laughs> um, and then I found out it still has the home button and I had been hanging out with a friend who still has an iPhone with a home button
1: yeah and
0: I picked it up and I was like no how do I get to the home oh, no. <laughs> I had forgotten how to oh, use no. it I was like huh
1: Huh. But it's just huh. a button, Simone. <laughs> I know. It's just a button.
0: <laughs> it's just, it's nuts to me. And it makes me feel like all those, you know, articles about like toddlers growing up only playing on iPads and not having... um like, motility are
1: really true. No, there's a there's a, a kind of video Christina and I are subjected to, and you're going to have to appreciate this, unfortunately, which is retro stuff. So <gasps> you'll bring in people to, like, use uh, Mac, uh, Mac OS from, like, the 90s or to play through Contra, <laughs> the original Contra on NES. <laughs> and you got younger people going, yeah, what is this? This is terrible. And you're screaming at the screen going, you know what? F you, buddy. Uh, so now <laughs> that's how you're gonna feel about the home button, because now the youngsters are gonna be like, "Why you just swipe up? How do I go home? This is too complicated."
0: It is. <laughs> I like my memory is is shot. Like I could not figure it out, <laughs> even though I used that phone, like that my original iPhone that I used for like five years had the home button. What's wrong with me? Hundred percent.
1: Hundred percent.
0: I'm elderly. Um, so I, I'm interested in the discussion about the, uh, the transfer speeds with the USB-C cable, because a lot of the, I think we're all happy to be like, oh, yay, charging USB-C charging. Great. Easy. A lot of people were complaining about the transfer speeds. I, I usually use airdrop, but I'm usually not airdropping like huge, huge files. If I were actually filming things on my iPhone, I would probably want to be cabled, Undoubtedly, because airdrop. Um, so I, I can see this affecting people, especially like you, Brianna, who are interested in using the phone to, like, take really high quality photos. Yeah. Um, potentially filming video. I'm not sure. Um, So it, it is disappointing to know that the transfer speeds are not quite there. But I probably I feel like 80% it. of the people won't. Yeah.
1: It won't matter. I don't know. I don't know. No, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think most people, uh, when they're transferring with stuff, it's just in the cloud, and yeah, you know, iCloud's really good for your photographs. I think what I fundamentally do not understand is why. Yeah, I uh, I, I don't like if you're you're at the the USB bus. Like, is there a Sarah space savings with having USB? like 2.0 there for the lowest model versus something a little more modern i i just don't understand it they, are they are they like aiming low to see um to give them somewhere to go later i yeah. i'm glad it's better in the the pro model but it, it just it's it's bizarre and weird
0: yeah i think why is exactly the word for it like it's not going to be anyone's deal breaker but it is just kind of a like oh but why? <laughs> um, and as as for, is there any other feature I guess that that stands out to you? I know I think things that things like the um, dynamic island and the action button, which I personally haven't experienced yet because again my phone is elderly. I'll be excited to talk about when I do get the new phone. Um,
1: yeah. So actually, I would like to talk about a use for the dynamic island that I've yeah. really started to find helpful. So. Um, One of the ways uh, that we run my team um, is we do it on Discord, uh, which I think is actually a really good office organization tool. Mm -hmm. And Discord is really tightly integrated into that uh, Dynamic Island. So you can tap up there and turn your mic on and off. It's this quick shortcut back. So, you know, I think when the Dynamic Island initially came out, We were all a little skeptical on what it was going to be. And I found it to be, um, at least in this use case, tremendously helpful. So I hope you I don't know how many Discord calls you do, uh, but I found it tremendously helpful.
0: Quite a few, actually, because my uh, F1 community is on Discord. And sometimes I'll like call in when I'm watching qualifying to just like chat with people while we're Mm -hmm. watching. Um, So that'd be super helpful because I'm also like walking around and making coffee and peeing. Um, so <laughs> I'm just really excited to play with it because I it's been a while since I have gotten to experience uh, a, to- a totally new iPhone feature. Like, I've gotten more into using things like widgets that I think have expanded a lot on iOS, including my old phone in the last few years, but not something... Like totally new that I've never been able to mess around with before, and even the action button, just because I don't have an Apple Watch, I've never experienced the equivalent of that. I'm, you don't have
1: an Apple Watch? No, I don't. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, why? So I'm Can excited. I ask why? Uh,
0: frugality and I guess lack of need. I know my friend Tara really likes it. Um, she actually she goes through habitual like phone cleanses where she just uses her apple watch and we have text with it and stuff um but i don't know i i I mean i don't
1: i'm not gonna like be the obnoxious tech gal and try to talk you into to getting one um i really find it a extremely useful um um tool for my health uh you know not just being able to you know like see blood oxygenation trends mm-hmm. like you know or or sleep quality or um you know how much you moved around right um i i don't know i mean it's can just I ask yeah, a
0: question What do people do with sleep tracking data
1: well for me it's like um uh, so like right now I'm extremely busy, right? And I wake up and I feel like garbage most days, right? And you can look at the watch and go like, oh, I really have gotten like X number of hours of deep sleep lately. I need to stop staying up so late and just force myself to go to bed and get a good eight hours of sleep. This isn't something I can push through, right? So you have like objective data about how much you're pushing it if that makes sense
0: okay that does make sense i can see why that would be useful um i i guess for me personally i I mean i'm a person i don't even track my period i just feel that that out (laughs) so (laughs) the i i've always been curious about what people actually do with sleep tracking data but it, it it definitely it's it's not like I'm not against it or anything. I think the Apple Watch obviously is I, I've been pro Apple Watch on this show. It's super useful. I would like to have one, but I also don't see a need for me to spend my money on one when I could be spending two hundred dollars to buy a uh, used opera costume on eBay.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, fair point, fair point. I mean, you don't really work out either, so. This is also true. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I find that really helpful. The other thing is I can't tell you how many times I've like had a meeting scheduled in my calendar and my phone is in the other room and my phone starts buzzing and it's like, oh crap, uh, like I've got to be on Zoom right now. And you just hit the button and it starts it, and you can run to your office. It's like, it, it's a really good health slash productivity tool. It's definitely worth the two hundred bucks it costs, in my view.
0: Definitely, yeah, yeah. I think that that's absolutely, yeah. I I don't doubt that. Um, yeah, it's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, that's that's nice. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm. You know me, you know me. It, I, do. I do. I have an iPhone eleven. <laughs> I don't doubt that someday I will get an Apple Watch um but yeah probably not today Hey, do you want to tell me about your like a lifestyle? I will. Your I like a style. All
1: right, fine. So we're moving on to dessert.
0: Um, yes. So, unless there are final thoughts about the iPhones. No,
1: no, no. I'm I'm excited to get yeah. mine. I don't know if it's going to come while I'm out of town on secret mission, uh, but I'm looking forward to getting that. So, um, so yeah, um, yeah. You know, as I said at the beginning of the show, um, I've gotten really, really into photography this year. Um, like in a really embarrassingly big way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the normal camera I shoot with is a, you know, it's a Canon R5, and I've got the 85 millimeter um, uh, USM lens f 1.2, which is uh, universally considered to be one of the very best lenses ever made, and I love it. But it's also like um, an extremely heavy camera to carry around with, right? Like when I'm on vacation, it physically hurts at the end of the day. So, um, you know, um, like a lot of people they are serious about photography, I've been thinking about getting you know, a second lighter camera to carry around with me. And um, like, a, I, I think it's fair to say it's, it's, I don't want to say overpriced, but it's certainly at the very, very top of what you can pay for a camera. And one of the things that differentiates Leica stuff from, say, a Canon or a Sony system is it uses what is uh, called a rangefinder system. Um, so the, the lenses on it, you can literally go and get a, um, a Leica lens from the fifties and it's a, it'll be an M lens and you can pop it on your camera and start using it today with like the most modern, uh, digital, uh, uh, photography, like, like camera they've got the M11. It is very much an old school, take your time, go slow, Set your, set your F stops, manually focus kind of system. And as someone that, um, yeah, I find a lot of meaning in manual transmissions Mm -hmm. and older cars. Like I I really do. I feel very strongly about this, Simone, that I think that, um, I think that when you have friction, you can have meaning, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause you can take an excellent camera with your iPhone. That's going to be technically perfect any time. I think when you have to slow down and think about, okay, what is my depth of field going to be and how is that going to affect my my shutter speed? Um, what is my composition going to be here because I can't change it after the fact? Um, you know, what is the level of noise I'm willing to trade off in this, this photo here? And you don't have a lot of computer systems to kind of automate that for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah i think there's a lot of meaning in that because then you look at your 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 work afterwards and i think you take a, a different level of pride in it so all of this is to say um that's kind of the the approach behind leica is it's it's old-school approach to photography with literally the best sensor technology that you can have that's really... um, It's deliberately putting friction in there to make it more meaningful. And you also just have to say, there's a thing photographers call the Leica look, Mm -hmm. which you can certainly fake with filters and different lenses, but it is... Like Leica pictures have a, a really distinctive look to it they are rich and they have a wide composition and um uh, i i just think a richness to the color is the the really the best way to describe it so all of this is to say um yeah i've really been thinking about getting a a leica for a second camera um and one of the things i do is when I'm thinking about buying some expensive equipment i rent it first so um i went out and got the leica uh, Q2, which is what my uh, lens store has in stock. The Q series for Leica, it's not their cheap, normy, like b- bottom of the barrel way to do it. The Q series is their all-in-one package uh, for a camera that you can get. It has a built-in lens that you cannot change but it's also a really, 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 really high quality lens, right? Um, so, in um, the Q2 is the last model. And the one that I have is it's worn and the metal's put away in it. And you can tell like this has been subjected to Ooh. so. So much work, right? Um, and I have to tell you, Simone, like there's a lot I could quibble with it. Like the UI is terrible with this compared to my Canon. Um, you know, the the menus are not great. I've missed so many shots because I couldn't compose it like yeah. quickly enough. But when you get it and you nail it, I, I have to say it, it truly creates some of the richest most amazing images I, I've ever captured. And it, it rewards you because you the idea is you constantly carry it with you. And you're constantly like, like right now I'm looking at my keyboard and I'm seeing the way the shadows are falling on it. Yeah. And I'm realizing like, okay, I can do my f-stop here and set my ISO there and get this kind of image. It is, it, It's really just expanding that out for you. Um, in a really accessible way. Um, so that's that's my experience with it. I, I do think that after I take this camera back, um, I do think uh, it's impossible to get one right now. I do think I'm going to mm. invest in a, a Leica Q3, which is, it's an expensive investment. That's a $6,500 camera. But um, I, I think that having something to carry with you all the time that's going to like make things that are meaningful like that, I I think that's worth it in my view.
0: You know, it really makes me, hearing you describe the process of taking those photos makes me think about why I have been enjoying sewing so much. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's because like I, a lot of, I, I work on the computer all day making videos and writing and a lot of my hobbies up till now have been like playing video games or watching TV. And what I like about sewing is it is something that just completely takes me out of that space and makes me do something with my hands that is very that I can't really be looking at something else while I'm doing it it's it's a totally different kind of focus and it feels really pleasurable to be doing something that is so manually intensive and knowing like how busy your job is and how much time you're spending like running here and there and answering phone calls and emails this sounds like uh, similarly to what sewing is for me like the diametric opposite of that where like forces you to just like Turn your brain in a different direction and slow down and th- and think in a different way.
1: Yeah. It's uh, you know what you're talking about, it sounds really, really similar to uh my enjoyment of working on my own cars. Yeah, right? yeah. Because it's about working through your hands and creating something and thinking through a problem and having a result you're really proud of at the end of it. It's exactly the same. Cause like I just being honest with you, not dissing polygon. I play so many fewer hours of video games that I did 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. it's just, it really is just, I can always stare at a screen so often, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah I think absolutely. Yeah. So why is the Q2 so hard to get right now?
1: Uh, the Q, well, the Q3 is the new version of it. Gotcha, it just gotcha. came out and there's a huge, um, A, it's a good deal. Uh, B, it's a really good upgrade over the Q2, which is what I'm shooting with. Um, it has a lot of features like the, the tilt sensor. Um, I'm sorry, the tilt screen in the camera is great and just better. Um, is a 60.1 megapixel sensor in it, if I remember correctly. So it's, a uh, it, it's just widely considered a good camera and and think about it because if you are let's say you get their equivalent of like the Canon R3 or the R5 right which mm-hmm. is the Leica M11 you yeah, this is their flagship camera uh with the interchangeable lens system well you've got to pay $8,500 for uh, the body itself, and then if you're talking about the real Summilux lenses, you know, with f 1.7, um, you know, you're talking about another four or five thousand dollars on yeah. top of that. So you know, thirteen thousand dollars for a camera—that's just not something a lot yeah. of people are going to be able to do. And <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, like one of the things with Leica that I really do appreciate. Is it's very similar to like uh, collecting Porsches in the sense that you invest something you enjoy and you use, but they don't really lose value. Like there's always an extremely strong uh, market for uh, Leica stuff after you sell it. Exact same thing with uh, lenses. Um, You know, a lot of people actually get the best out of Leica. By um, using a lens adapter and using their Summilux lenses uh, with their Sony camera or their Canon camera, because you can like get all the benefits of the lenses from someone that uh, literally there are people that think it's the identical sensor because it has the same specs. So yeah, um, yeah there are ways around it, but all of that is to say like six thousand dollars is a it, it's a good starting point to get into this world and even like this camera that i'm using right now that they paid six thousand dollars for even as beat up as it is if they went to sell it today on you know uh, keh.com they'd still get five thousand four thousand five hundred dollars for it yeah know? yeah so to
0: invest in your next camera <laughs> right it
1: doesn't depreciate the same yeah way, so that's
0: really cool this yeah. sounds like a really positive hobby
1: I I enjoy it. It's it's I think I do think one of the things I've noticed as I've been here is there's always chasing better gear, um, which is definitely part of the hobby. And it gets really expensive super quickly. So there it is.
0: Yep. I know what it's like to have an expensive hobby (laughs) we be talking about in our a uh, booster, but for now, wow. Before we go into what we're doing this week, let me remind everyone it is still uh, the Relay FM fundraiser for Saint Jude month uh, because September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and since the very first Relay FM for Saint Jude fundraiser campaign in 2019, we've raised over 2.5 million dollars as a community, uh, which means That Relay FM hit its first goal for 2023, but we're not stopping there because St. Jude won't stop their life-saving work until no child dies from cancer. With your support, we'll be one step closer to that day, one cure closer, one child closer. And what I want to call out today is, of course, that September 22nd uh, is the big live stream um, so if I pop back into Slack so I can remind myself, Friday, September 22nd from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Central Time on the Relay FM Twitch channel, uh, much like in previous years, there will be a big fundraising marathon. Uh, people are going to be doing like f- fun content ideas. Mike and Steven are just going to be on all the fricking time. Um, I think the, one of the last years that I did it, we did some really fun segments. I don't know if I'm doing anything for it this year. I should probably reach out and find out, but that doesn't mean that you listener uh, shouldn't tune in. Uh, it has been super fun. And I will say the next goal that uh, we're going to hit is 450,000. And at that point, Mike is going to build a Lego Concorde jet. Which looks super freaking cool! Oh, that Lego cool.
1: model is really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's um, really beautiful. It's gotten some really good reviews. Uh, the it has the droop snoop on it, where it, it goes geez. down so the pilots can see the ground as they're taking off, which is so
0: fun. good. Uh, and we have all raised collectively. You have raised collectively three hundred eighty-four thousand dollars this year, which is nuts uh the goal is sitting at 500k right now and i do not doubt that that is going to be hit uh hopefully during the fundraising the the live stream on friday september 22nd so please do tune into that um this is a really great cause uh and yeah oh whoa 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 i am mistaken it's 12 p.m to 12 a.m eastern that has changed it's not 11 a.m it is 12 p.m to 12 a.m wow 12 whole Hours of podcasting. Uh, so if you tune into that, donors who make an individual gift of $60 or more will receive a digital bundle of Relay FM uh, wallpapers and screensavers. Uh, last year, that was a big deal. Tune in to see what this year's designs are. Uh, also, donors who make an individual gift of $100 or more will receive the 2023 sticker pack with all new designs. Um, and you can, of course, uh, search employer on the donation page to see if your employer is donation matching. Um, and that's another great way to just leap ever forwards towards the goal. So check out stjude.org slash relay to donate and relay on Twitch to tune into the stream on Friday. But of course, if you just want to donate, you're like, I don't have time to watch live stream. Go to saintjudeorg slash relay and you can just donate there. It's awesome. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Okay, Brianna, what are you up to this week? Can't, can talk, we about say- it. can't <laughs> talk about I can't
1: talk about I do have the uh, – I can say this because this was announced. If you're in Baltimore uh, for VidCon uh, this week, um, we um, – on Saturday, there's a panel – with three people, three of the most legendary streamers on the left, uh, which is Destiny, uh, uh, Vosh, and uh, Emma Vigland over at uh, Majority Report. This is huge, y'all! Like the Vosh Destiny beef is one of the most legendary in all of Twitch, mm-hmm. um, and they have agreed to put aside their differences. And they're not making up, but they are going to talk about activating their audiences for twenty twenty four. Um, Both of them have been massively successful in getting uh, canvassers out to vote uh, and and win elections. So we are very, very, very excited about that.
0: That is awesome. And I'm going to
1: be leading the discussion, which I'm thrilled about.
0: Yay. Oh, my God. VidCon. It's freaking happening. Um, I just got back from Washington. What am I up to? honestly just uh trucking away at work uh nothing particular coming out this week but of course uh if you are a booster subscriber i'll be talking about my new passion which is driving very fast um and if you want to learn how to listen to our bonus segments here at rocket go to relay.fm membership to find out how you can support our show or a tasting platter of your favorite relay shows Uh, which is something that we super-duper appreciate uh, people doing. You get a fun bonus segment every week. We usually talk about something. It's kind of a continuation of our our third segment on the main show where it's something like fun and lighthearted or something more personal about what we're doing uh, in our lives. So uh, tune in to that. And you, of course, get an ad-free show as well. Um, And you support us, and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Rockets. If you liked it, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, Thank you so much to everyone who has done so. We'll be back with you next week with more tech news. This episode of Rocket is terminated.
1: Terminated.